0: I am just so grateful to be able to share a little bit of my story with you. I think we all have an important and unique story, and I think stories have a lot of power. And so I am incredibly humbled to be able just to share a little bit of my life with you. Um, So I'm really just going to focus on just kind of one main story of my testimony. Um, It's completely changed my life, and it's changed the direction of my life. But I'm going to give you a little backstory first. Um, So I am a pastor's kid. I grew up basically always just knowing that ministry was our lives. Um, Actually, I was born in the same weeks as my dad graduated from the Nazarene Bible College. So it was literally all I knew. Um, I kind of like to describe it as it was a family business. Um, I kind of got to see my parents really throw themselves into the church and give everything they had to it. Um, they really do have servant hearts, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that I had their, um, just had them to look up to, and that it was very natural for me to kind of step into this life of, of being a Christian. Um, I was actually four years old, and um, I had the best Sunday school teacher in the world, my mom. And um, she was talking about how Jesus Christ wants to come and live in your heart and that you don't have to live alone. And as a four-year-old dealing with different fears and things, that's, that's what I wanted. And so I'd say that's when um, I prayed and, and became a Christian. And I can honestly say from that prayer at four years old, it's been an incredible journey of completely just being overwhelmed by who this God is that loves us all so much. Um, So kind of fast forward, it was my sophomore year of high school, and my family, we had um, been in a small church in a small kind of farm town, and we'd been at that church for about seven years. And um, I really had just kind of taken after my parents, and my life was really in the church. My My best friendships and closest relationships were there. um, That's where I really poured out myself. Um, But about this time, that's kind of when everything drastically changed. Um, I kind of like to use these two pictures as kind of a symbol. um, And so one picture is a picture of my parents. They're young and in love. they're, They're just recently married. I think it was before kids, so they're actually well rested. Um, And then the other picture is a picture of my dad preaching. And these two pictures kind of represent something that I wasn't sure would ever happen again at this point. Um, So I got home one day, and my dad sat me down, and the rest of my family wasn't home. Um, And he told me that he had been having an affair for the last two years, with a woman in our church, um, that he had automatically lost his position there, um, that we had nowhere to live, that our financial situation was a mess. And I remember him telling me that he wasn't gonna go anywhere, that we were gonna figure it out together. (laughs) Um, And so that was one of those moments kind of where just time just stood still. I remember feeling just completely frozen Completely blank. Um, I, I remember in that moment giving myself permission to cry, um, and I just couldn't quite wrap my mind around that that was real, that that was actually happening. Um, we we were the perfect pastor's family. I mean, my my parents were the couple that um, they did marriage counseling, and and we were the family that never fought and were always in a good mood and. I remember my mom called one of my older brothers to tell him what had happened. And kind of just in a moment of pure honesty and, and brokenness, he just asked, how is this possible? You guys are perfect. Um, and so I wish I could say kind of from that moment, it was kind of an uphill climb. Um, but it wasn't. Things got, got bad for a long time. Um, I remember that first Sunday after everything had come out, um, my family, we didn't know what to do with ourselves in the morning. We weren't going to go to church. And I remember watching my dad walk down the hallway um, and barely be able to stand because of the thought of the pain that he was causing so many people that day. Um, All the relationships from that church family, I've probably only talked to maybe two or three people from that church since that day. I lost all of those relationships. Um, the pain that was happening in my family reached kind of my outer family. My, my grandfathers still did not speak or want to be in the same room up until one just recently passed away because of all of the pain that was there. Um, I remember walking the halls at school, and it was a small town that really liked to gossip And I remember wondering who had been gossiping about my family that day. Um, And it seemed like there was a lot of people talking about my family, um, but no one really asking how they could help. And so we ended up um, moving, we moved into this rough neighborhood um, in this beat up old house and I changed schools. um, And I began just to kind of watch my parents um, just fight, fight for their relationship, fight for healing and fight for some type of stability. Um, but it, it was kind of in the midst of all of this, I, I felt like I literally had lost everything. I, What I had put my identity in, what I had put my comfort in, was all just taken away. And there's one story out of all of this specifically that um, I think will always just kind of have a specific scar on my heart. Um, and I had actually had thought back to it during this time, but it was about a year into the affair, and um, our church had gathered together with some of the other churches in the surrounding area, and um, I remember the speaker that night asked if anyone was feeling convicted to want to pray at the altar that they could come and stand, and I, I felt convicted that night, and so I came, and I, and I stood, and The woman who was having the affair with my dad, she came and she stood right next to me. And she's standing at the altar, looking at the cross and holding my hand, praying next to me. And I just couldn't understand how someone could do that, how someone was capable of that. And I found myself asking just the question that why wasn't I enough? You know, why hadn't my dad thought of me and thought of my siblings and had chosen us over his selfish decisions? So, this was a time where I was literally taking it um, ten seconds at a time. Um, I had never had to rely on God for every breath, but I was. um, And I can honestly say that in the midst of all of that, in the messiness, that God was always there. He never once was gone or distant. He was there um, through every painful conversation or situation. And so I kind of want to jump ahead a little bit, actually, to last year. um, And I was in a time of discouragement. It was a time of um, really just not feeling myself. And I felt that the call on my life was almost so overwhelming that God was calling me to ministry and I couldn't ignore it anymore. But all I could think about when I thought about ministry is I just thought about the pain that my family had been through and that I had gone through. And I had all these deep, embedded fears. Um, But I came across this passage, and it was the passage that they um, read for us before I came up. Um, But there's these two verses that just really stuck out to me. So it's John 17, verses 25 through 26. And it's, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And in this passage, we literally get to see Jesus is praying right before he is going to go die for you and to die for me. And the thing that he prays for is that we would receive the greatest gift that we can in this life, and that is to know God and to know this love that he has for us. And I couldn't wrap my mind around that. Jesus is literally giving everything he can for you. And now he's praying that you would have everything, and when I read the words "I will continue to make you known," I couldn't help but think, me too. Um, that no matter what my life takes me, no matter what my future looks like, if I can give everything I can to maybe let one person know and fully try to understand this this love that we can't, we just can't understand then it's worth it. And so I want to go back and give a little ending to the story, um, although the story is not over yet. But God brought so much healing and so much blessing to my family. Um, My parents just recently celebrated their 32nd wedding anniversary. Um, Their relationship is healthier and stronger than it ever has been before. And my dad has started on this long journey of trying to um, kind of regain his credentials to be able to preach in the Nazarene church. Um, And he actually has just taken an associate pastor's position in our church back home. And he's on track for about a year from now. He'll be able to restore his credentials and to be able to preach again. Um, And I still look back on all of this. and I, I don't even... I don't even understand how we made it, how we've made it this far, and how God has blessed us now, but he did. And this God that we can know, He he's just a God of victory. He is a God of hopeless situations like mine. And he's turning just the messiness and the brokenness of this world and the imperfections in our hearts, and he's turning it into something beautiful because of his love. And so my identity is found in the cross, what Jesus did for me. My hope is in God. my, My joy and my peace is in God because really when it comes down to it, that's all we have. When we really let everything else fade away, and so my prayer for you and my hope is that you would know God as best as we can, even though we can't wrap our minds around who he is and how he loves us. Uh, that, that's my hope and that's my prayer for you. Um, so I want to invite the worship team back up. Um, I, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for letting me share a little bit of my story. And thank you for your time.
1: My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I think Becky's story for us today is just a place for us to identify ourselves, perhaps, as broken people. And the words of that song, God's buried body found a way to breathe again. Even Jesus himself was broken. He enters into that place with us. And so... Not only Jesus' prayer for the disciples, but my prayer for you, our prayer for you, is that you will believe through this message. I'm wondering today if, if what you've just heard seems like foolishness to you, that we would bow before and honor and pray to and live under, the direction of a man who was crucified on a cross, who died, that would seem foolishness to a lot of people. But where the story changes is that Christ defeated the grave, that he defeated the grave, and he is the only one who has defeated the grave. And Becky's story today it points to that. It points to the fact that in our brokenness, even in Jesus' own brokenness, that there was resurrection, that there was hope, and that out of that story, love was born. Love was born out of that story, and that love lives here on our campus, and I pray that you know that love. Whoever you are, sitting wherever you are, whatever your identity is on this campus, I pray that the love that was born in the resurrection and hope of Jesus Christ would be known by you. Would you stand with me and let me pray? God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in so many ways, in the words of a song, in the testimony of a student, in your scripture laid out for us to read and hear and perceive. God, you love us, and you want to love others through us. We surrender ourselves to that, God, and we sing together your glory. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.